0: There is a need uh, for, for teaching in a specific area. Now, I want to just tell you ahead of time, there's some of you that are here today that are probably going to hear some of the stuff that I'm going to share. It's probably going to be for the first time. Not, not all, but some. So I just ask you, those of you, especially those of you that are visiting with us today, uh, please just give me the opportunity to lay out what the scriptures say pertaining to the subject that we're talking about this morning. Um, just, just hear me out first, okay? Save your, your, your decisions and save your um, whatever. In other words, don't throw a wall up when I start talking about what I'm talking about because traditionally uh, not many churches teach on what we're going to be teaching this morning, especially if you come from a denominational background. Um, but it's something that needs to be taught. I need you to understand something very factually this morning. We are not, when I say we, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, the position that we should be standing in right now is not waiting for the last days to come upon us. Honey, we're in the last days. We're in the last days, okay? We're not looking for a, well, when this happens, no. The, most of the major stuff that needed to take place that came from the lips of Jesus has already happened. And the reason I'm teaching this today is because the church at large needs to gain a sense of urgency because here's what's going on. There's so much that's happening in the world that is trying to get our attention on current events Rather than having our attention on what the scriptures told us for thousands of years would happen when we get to this point in human history, Amen. okay. Um, I'm just going to throw it out Jesus Christ is coming back Amen. soon. Amen. We have the honor and the privilege to be born in this season, to be born at this time in human history. Amen. Many people would say, You know, I used to say this when I read the Bible, man. I would have loved to be on, on Earth. I would have loved to have been there when Jesus is on Earth. No, the, um, honestly, this time is even better Amen. because even the disciples back then, the apostles back then, were not equipped the way the church is equipped today. Yes. Okay, so please allow me to go to, to go through this material. Uh, for some of you, you know this already. Just just take it in and pray for me uh, that the Holy Spirit will lead me into the direction I need to go, so that everybody leaves this morning at the end of the service, with a very good basic foundational knowledge as it pertains to where we are on God's timeline right now. Okay? You ready? Yes. Okay. All right, take, the, take into consideration that Paul, in writing in the New Testament or the second covenant, talks about baptism 12 times. He talks about the coming of the Lord Jesus 52 times. For every verse about the first coming of the Lord, we say, what's the first coming of the Lord? When he was born in Bethlehem, okay? That was the very first time that the Lord Jesus came to the earth, okay? Born of a virgin, you know, we all, you know, O come, O ye faithful, you know, the whole Christmas thing, okay? That's the first coming of the Lord, okay? Now, in the first covenant, there are scriptures that, that pertain both to the first coming and the second coming. And many times people get mixed up with them. But listen, there's way more scriptures pertaining to the second coming than they were for the first coming. Okay, are you getting that? Yes. All right, I'm just going to keep going here and you guys jump in anytime you feel like it. So this tells us that this subject of the second coming of Lord Jesus Christ is extremely important. If, if, if 52 times, just the Apostle Paul, forget about Peter, forget about John, we're not even talking about them as much as they talked about the second coming. But Paul himself, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, refers to the second coming 52 times. That's very significant. And some of you are sitting here going, why do I need to learn this? Because the time that we're in right now, God bless you, The time that we're in right now is just like the time that Noah was building the ark. During that time that he was building the ark, okay, he preached a message to get as many people as possible. The ark wasn't built just for animals. The ark was supposed to be built for people. But unfortunately, only eight people responded to Noah's message the rest of the population of, of the planet that was on, on the earth at that time perished in the flood. And, and many didn't need to, okay? So you, are you getting that? So right now we're in that same time. There is a flood coming. I don't, I don't mean a physical water flood coming. There is a flood of destruction, a flood of evil, a flood of calamity, a flood, and, and you say to yourself, I'm so glad I came to church this morning. But these are facts, okay, and we need to know where we are Why? Because here we are in 2022, there has never, ever been as many signs confirming the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as there are now. And some of you were saying, just like the Apostle Peter said in his letters, that people would mock and say, oh, people have been saying that that Jesus is coming for hundreds of years. Yeah, but they could not, he couldn't have come until this past century. Okay, listen to me what I'm talking about. All right? I'm, trying to, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but I find myself I'm getting ahead of myself. We're gonna talk about today two, only two. There's dozens and dozens of signs that are in the first covenant, okay, what we would refer to as the Old Testament, okay. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of signs pointing to this time. That we could go through, and maybe in the future we will. I know last summer we did an extensive uh, series of of, uh, videos talking about in detail uh, how we know that Jesus is coming soon. Okay, but I want to focus on two things that Jesus himself said, two signs, two major signs that cannot be disputed because it is fact. These signs have taken place already. Why is this important? Well, uh, how many of you travel on, on the parkway or travel on, let's say, uh, Route 9 or travel on the turnpike? Let me see your hands. I didn't give you time. Okay. Do you realize that there are signposts, especially on the Garden State Parkway? Yes. Okay. What do those signposts exist for? They tell you where you are on the map. That if God forbid your car breaks down, you tell them, I'm at mile post. Now, how many of you also know that there's signs? Like if you're heading, and you, let's say you've never taken a trip to Cape May. Okay, let's pick something local. And you get on the parkway, you jump on the parkway, you're gonna head south. Amen. If you want to get to Cape May, you're gonna head south. Okay. Now, now you've never been there before, you're wondering, you have you didn't put your GPS in, you're wondering. Now, now once you get to past Toms River, Fort Good River, here, you may start seeing what? Signs telling you how where is the next exit or where the next town is, and you know, you're starting to get now once you get into like Atlantic County, you're going to start seeing signs that actually say Cape May, okay? Those signs are there so that you know how close you're getting to your destination. So you start looking for the exit. Yes or no? Unless you want to go into Delaware Bay, you start looking for, you know, you got to look for your exit. Okay, that's where we are right now as a church, and that's, what, that's why these signs exist in the scriptures to tell us, hey, you're getting close. Amen. Now, factually speaking, anybody that claimed that the Lord Jesus Christ was going to come back before 1948 did not know what they were talking about. It would be impossible. It's not. And you've got a couple of major cults that exist today that started... Because somebody said, Jesus is coming this afternoon, and he did not. He could not. But now, once 1948 passed, we start looking for the signs. So what, what happened in 1948? Some of us weren't even born yet in 1948, 74 years ago. The major sign that Jesus said for the church to look for was the nation of Israel being reestablished as a nation Amen. in its original land. That took place May the 14th, 1948. It's a fact, you cannot dispute it. Israel, once again, is a nation in its own land and revives a language that was dead for hundreds and hundreds of years. Okay, you listening? Yes. All right. You go to Israel now, And predominantly, people speak Hebrew. But while the Jews were dispersed all over the the world, very few people spoke Hebrew. The the Jewish people in Europe spoke Yiddish. Okay? Um, In the North Africa area, and the Middle East area, even in Spain, the Jews that were there predominantly spoke Arabic. All of a sudden, they get brought back which began like in the late 1800s. I'm gonna talk more about this. Um, And all of a sudden, this language gets revised that hardly anybody spoke for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. That doesn't happen. This is a supernatural event that took place. Now, the world kinda took credit for it, the United Nations took credit for it, but let's face it, okay? I remember the first time I read, I believe it's Ezekiel 36, uh, Valley of the Dry Bones. Jerry, Ezekiel 36. First time I read Ezekiel 36, I went, oh, my God. This is the Holocaust. This is the Holocaust. The prophet saw dry bones, dead, dead bones, skeletons, for as far as he can see. Then he begins to talk about these dead bones coming together, forming a body, skin being put on there, God breathing his spirit, into, and that, those dead bones became a living army the nation of Israel came out of the Holocaust. The Holocaust caused world opinion to turn towards the Jews instead of against the Jews. And, and here it is, bam, Israel becomes a nation. Jesus said that's one of the first signs to look for for his second coming. Are you getting this? Amen. So, well, did I come here for a history lesson? Yeah. Yes. Um, well, yeah. Let me talk about the next sign, and then we'll talk about why is it important for us, the church. Well, well pastor, we're Christians. What, what, is it, what are we concerned about, the Jews? Are you serious? Yes. Christianity is built on the foundation Amen. of the first covenant. Amen. You take away the first covenant, you pull the whole house down. Are you listening to me? Yes. I'll explain to you why it's important. Next event that took place, okay, that really set the clock going. Because Israel became a nation, that's wonderful. And the Jews came back to their land, but they had been coming back for about 60 years before that. We'll talk about it later. So 1948, May 14, 1948, boom, Israel becomes a nation. The United States, I believe, was the first nation to recognize them. Within, I think, 45 minutes, President Truman, bam, they're a nation. We support them. We're going to stand behind them. However, the country was fractured. Jerusalem was still not under their possession. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 21 Can I get that scripture? Now, this, this is a prophecy from the mouth of Jesus about what would happen in the last days to the Jewish people. Okay? and they will fall by the edge of the sword, and they will be led away captive into all the nations. That happened periodically, but the main attack and the main fulfillment of that scripture happened when the Romans came and attacked Jerusalem, surrounded Jerusalem, uh, crucified over a million individuals, destroyed the temple. That was in 70 A.D., 70 A.D., okay, 70 A.D., Most of the apostles and disciples were still alive when that happened. Okay, that's how close it was to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Are you getting this? Now, the Romans had to come back in 110 AD, okay, and completely destroyed the rest of the city, sowed it with salt so nobody could ever grow anything on it, and they could not even mention the name Jerusalem after that. So this scripture was fulfilled completely. The Jews were dispersed all over the world. The Romans, who were they and crucified, they sold into slavery. It was uh, after 110 AD, it was illegal for a Jew to come within a certain amount of miles of Jerusalem. They couldn't even come come near it. That's how much this was fulfilled, okay? Now watch this now. Jesus said that they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led, led away captives into the nations. And by the way, if you read Deuteronomy 28, one of the curses that would come upon Individuals who would not follow God as it was spoken by Moses said, your sons and daughters will be dispersed. will be sold into slavery. You will be dispersed among the nations. It came to pass. Now watch this now because now Jesus gives us the timetable. Why 1967 is an important date, okay? And Jerusalem, the city, will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. From, from, for the past 2,000 years, it's been the time of the Gentiles. Why? Because the gospel started out for the Jews. Once the early church was established, the Jews took it, Paul took it, and brought it to the Gentiles. Luke is involved in this. Timothy is involved in this. Okay, it begins to spread. And we better thank God that it happened that way because we came into this thing that was really meant for the Jews. It's Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. We got in on this because of God's grace. So for the past 2,000 years, God gave 2,000 years for the rest of the world, non-Jewish world, non-descendants of Abraham, for us to come into this kingdom. Now it's wrapping up. We're at the end of this 2,000 years. And how do we know that? Put that scripture back up, please. Please please don't, please don't shut down on me. It's important for you to know this. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. What's a Gentile? No, we're not. We're not Gentiles anymore. A Gentile is a person who does not have God. You and I once were Gentiles. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about that, that we were without God, without hope, aliens from the covenant of Israel, okay? You and I, when we received Christ, we didn't, we're not Gentiles anymore. We're the church. There's three groups of people that the Bible addresses. It's the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church. We went from being Gentiles to being the church. We're not without God. Although we're non-Jewish, we're not without God. Now, that time had to be fulfilled. Now, watch this now. Jerusalem has been trampled by the Gentiles for the past 2,000 years. The Romans came and destroyed it. After the Romans, a couple of hundred years later, the Persians came and destroyed it. After the Persians came the Muslims because then Muhammad comes on the scene, they took over the area. After, After a couple of different dynasties of Muslims, then the Turks, the Ottoman Empire came and controlled it for 500 years. In between that, you had the Crusaders who came. Again, Gentiles, people without God, because if they were with God, they wouldn't have slaughtered everybody the way they did. Okay, they're there. Then the Ottoman Empire gets defeated and the British take over. Okay, they're semi-good guys, but they're still Gentiles. Okay, you listening? And then 1948 comes, and Israel becomes a nation. However... Jerusalem is still being trampled. At this time, the Jordanians came and took over the main parts of Jerusalem. Are you getting this? So for 2,000 years, it's trampled by Gentiles, and then June of 1967 comes, And, and the clock went click. Jerusalem was recaptured by Israeli soldiers and brought together, unified again, and now, just a couple of years ago, it was declared to be the capital of Israel. That scripture has been fulfilled. And Jesus said, when you see these things come to pass, start looking up. Did you get this? Yes. Now, why are these dates important to us? Can I take a little sip first? Don't, don't disconnect. I'll do it as quick as I can. I get excited about this stuff and my throat gets dry. Listen. Listen. Every time something happens in Israel, it triggers something in the church. Yes. Back in the late 1800s, 1880s, 1890s, this movement started in Europe called Zionism. And their idea is, we've got to get back to Israel. And so many, many Jews, many Jewish families left Europe, took their stuff, and began to settle in Israel. So by the early 1900s, people are flooding from Russia, from Europe, from other places in the Middle East and they're starting to resettle in Israel. They're forming these little communities, you may have heard it referred to as kibbutzes, okay? Little colonies, little settlements so that they could start to re-establish themselves in the land, say, what is that big deal? Okay, well, early 1900, the Jews start to resettle Israel. Can anybody tell me what happened in 1906 in Los Angeles, California? Azusa Street Revival. How many of you have not, be totally honest, this is not, you know, you're not gonna get graded on this. How many of you have never heard of Azusa Street? Let me see your hands, please, it's important for me. Okay, how many of you have heard? Okay, so it's kind of 50-50. Real quick, back in the late 1800s, a group of individuals out of the Methodist church started to realize, how come we're not experiencing everything that the Bible talks about? specifically in the book of Acts. How come this baptism in the Holy Spirit that's mentioned in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, how come... And so out of the Methodist movement and a couple of other Protestant denominations came this movement that was called the Holiness Movement. And people began to fast and people began to pray and people began to come together and study the Word of God so that they could experience once again what the original apostles had experienced on the day of Pentecost. Okay, well... In a small city, a small town in Kansas, on New Year's Eve, when it turned 1900, a group of students in a Bible school had come together to kind of like pray in the New Year, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to speak in other tongues, just like the apostles did on the day of Pentecost, 1900. 1906 now, a, a African American man, blind in one eye, had been studying at a Bible school in Texas, left Texas, went to Los Angeles, rented a house, and began to have Bible study in his house and the same thing happened. The Holy Spirit fell when I say fell, just like on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon these individuals that were. Pretty much in his house, and they moved to the front porch. When the front porch became too small, they rented a horse stable in Los Angeles on Azusa Street. And the Holy Spirit exploded in that place. And hundreds of thousands of people came from all over the world. There's no flights. Very difficult. People had to get on boats to come. People came from South America. People came from Europe. People the Australia was majorly impacted by people that came to Azusa Street, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, went back to Australia, and and Australia became a major, major force. Central America, the United States, people came from all over the United States. In fact, every Pentecostal denomination that exists today came out and formed as a result of somebody who was influenced in that revival that took place on Azusa Street. Assemblies of God, Church of God in Christ, United Pentecostal Church, full gospel, Full excuse me, four square denomination. Every Pentecostal denomination came out of Azusa Street. Now, let me just tell you this. If there's a new church that gets started someplace in the world, 90% of the times it's going to be a Pentecostal church. What does that mean, Pastor? A Pentecostal church is a, or a Pentecostal group of individuals are individuals that believe that the gifts of the Spirit, the miraculous power of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the ability to pick up that spiritual prayer language is just as much alive today as it was 2,000 years ago when the disciples got hit. with it. You are sitting in the result of the Pentecostal movement. Okay? Now, 1906, Israel's beginning. people are beginning to come back to Israel, Azusa Street revival breaks out. 1948, Israel becomes a nation. And here in the United States, a healing revival broke out. I had the privilege and the honor to sit at the feet of of one of the individuals that was involved in that back in the 1940s. And Brother Kenneth Hagin would tell us the easiest thing in the world from 1948 to 1958, for 10 years it lasted, The easiest thing in the world was to get people healed. He said it was like electricity in the air. Healing was in the air. All you had to do was lay hands on somebody, pray for somebody, bam. One particular individual went and cleaned out an entire deaf school, took the entire population of school, brought them out of their building, lined them up, prayed for every single one of them, had their hearing restored, okay? Miraculous power of God. What happened? Israel becomes a nation, bam, something gets triggered in the church. So if that's true, then we should expect to see something happen in 1967, yes? Okay, 1967, Six-Day War, Israel gets attacked. They attack, every time Israel gets attacked, they end up getting more property, more land, okay? So 1967, Six-Day War, the Six-Day War is when Israeli troops went into Jerusalem, captured the part of Jerusalem that was cut off from Israel, and reunited the capital, the the city of Jerusalem, was reunited back to Israel. So we should expect to see something happen in the United States, right? Well, it did, 1967. There's a group of Jesuit priests that are praying in the Pittsburgh area. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And they start praying in other tongues. And, And now they're having this marvelous experience. And for anybody that came out of the Catholic Church, That was the Catholic charismatic experience revival started 1967 in Pittsburgh area, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, Ohio, that area there. That is called the charismatic movement. That triggered something. See, before 1967, if you were were a tongue talker, you probably belonged to a Pentecostal church. But in 1967, the Catholic church got hit by it. In fact, um, Pope John, the little guy, the 23rd, Pope John the 23rd got baptized in the Holy Spirit and started pushing and started endorsing the charismatic movement in the Catholic Church. My mother got saved in the charismatic movement in the Catholic Church in the 70s, okay? But it wasn't just Catholics. Baptists were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Methodists were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Episcopalians you're getting baptized. It's spread through every denomination of Christianity. This is major. This is major. See, now, we're in it. And when you're born into something, you don't realize the significance of it. But so now, now, what's the next thing that the church should be looking for? Okay? Jesus gives us a hint at the Last Supper. The next, the very next thing on the calendar of God for the church, for every Christian that's on the planet right now, Jesus refers to it in John chapter 14. Are you learning anything this morning? Yes. John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. This is at the Last Supper now. And remember, like I've spoken in the past, at the Last Supper, Jesus knows within 12 hours... He's going to the cross. The disciples don't know this. They're, they're oblivious. They're like fighting amongst each other, petty arguments, all this. and Jesus is sitting there like, if you guys only knew what I'm gonna go through in the next 12 hours. So, so what does he do? He's going to share the most important teachings that we find in the Gospel of John he shares during the Last Supper. Watch this now. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, and, and some translations call it dwelling places, whatever. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I, read it with me. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, when the disciples heard this, is there more to that? No, that's it. Now, watch this now. We talked about this in our communion service a few weeks ago. When the disciples heard him using this language, they understood this is wedding language. This is marriage proposal language. And we know from study in the past that Jewish tradition called for, if you're going to marry somebody, if you have your eye, if you're a young man and you have your eye on this young lady, you would go to the young lady's father and tell him of your intentions. I'm in love with your daughter. I would like to marry your daughter with your permission. And they would lay out, the groom would lay out all the terms of how he's going to take care of this wife, how he's going to provide for her, how he's going to protect her. Sounds just like Jesus, doesn't it? Lay all this out. And then the father would consent, and then the groom would leave and not see her again until the wedding. He goes back to his house and his father, together with the son, build this extension on their house so that when that room and that little apartment or whatever you want to call it is ready, then the groom goes, gets his wife, and brings her back to the place where they're going to start their life together. You getting this? So let me see how I'm going to do this. The next event on God's calendar, and you could people say, "Well, you never know what God's going to do." That's not true, because if you look at what God's done in the past, you can tell what God's going to do in the future. He changes not. Amen. Amen? Amen. So watch this now. The next event on the calendar is the taking away of the church off of the planet Earth. And this is what I've said. Some of you are going to hear this for the first time. Cool your jets. Stop forming opinions on the inside. Let me lay the whole thing out here because this is factual. What do you mean, Pastor? Let me lay the whole thing out. Now watch this now. Jesus is telling the disciples pretty much, the next time you see me after this whole series of events is when I come back to get the church and take them where I am. You getting this? Now watch. That's called the rapture. Now, in reality, the next event on the calendar is not the second coming. It's the rapture. Because Jesus' reappearance on the earth happens in two stages. The first stage is what we're waiting for next, where Jesus appears in the sky. And the church, every believer on the earth is supernaturally taken off the earth. Imagine what that's going to do to the rest of society, Okay how nations will collapse, because all of a sudden, all these people are gone. And this is why, for the past 20, 25, 30 years, our society has been bombarded with alien things, and alien, all this other, because that's how the world is going to describe what happened when we're all taken off the planet. I could just hear some of you in Saigon, this guy is whack. Now, now, remember, 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 Jesus told the disciples how this was going to happen. Now, interestingly enough, local to where Jesus and the disciples pretty much grew up in Nazareth, in Galilee, their tradition of the wedding was a little bit different. You see, in the rest of Israel, Jewish tradition... When the groom comes to the neighborhood where the bride is, there's the shout because he's got all his friends, all the wedding guests are with him, all the male wedding guests, anyway, with him. And there's this trumpet that gets blown, and the bride knows he's here, he's here, he's here. Now, she's been preparing herself with all her bridesmaids from the time that the proposal was made. And that's what the church is supposed to be doing now preparing, preparing, preparing. Why? Because he's coming. He's coming, okay? Now watch this now. Specific to the Nazareth area in Galilee, their tradition was this. When the bridegroom came, when the groom came, blow the trumpet, shout, the wife is ready. She's not permitted to walk to where her new house is gonna be. She's not permitted to walk to the wedding. She must be carried on a platform, on a bed, on some type of a thing. She is not allowed. That's the catching away of the church. You and I are not walking to meet Jesus. We're being carried away to meet Jesus. Can I get that scripture in First Thessalonians, please? The Apostle Paul knew this. And this is what he wrote to the church. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, because they're saying, well, if this is going to happen... What about the people that died before he comes? Right. good question. I had somebody last night ask me, well, what about my parents? I said, if they were believers, they'll meet us. We'll, we'll all be there. Watch this now. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. When you and I lose a loved one that's a believer, we miss them. But listen to me. The Lord showed me this many years ago. They're not in your past. They're in your future. Next verse. Oh, wait, is this the one? Yeah. Watch this now. So he said, what's going to happen to the people that died before Jesus returns? For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again. How many of you believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again? Yes. We also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We're all coming back with them. Every believer from adam all the way until whatever we're all coming back with him together that's the second coming not the first appearance the second coming next verse we tell you this directly from the lord we who are still living when the lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died in other words when jesus appears in the sky when that trumpet blast takes place Every dead believer is coming out of the grave. So, oh my God, this never happened before. Oh, yes, it has. Yeah, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us that the tombs were open in Jerusalem and the Old Testament saints came out and went and visited all the relatives. How would you like to get that visit on a Sunday morning? Your grandmother who died 40 years ago shows up at the house with a bag of bagels and a cup of coffee. Hallelujah, he's coming. Watch this now, look. For the Lord himself, not another Jesus, the same one. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Next verse. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth. Read the yellow words with me. Will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Where do we meet him? In the air. Where do we meet him? In the air. So this can't be the second coming, because if the second coming, he puts his feet back on the Mount of Olives from where he ascended the first time. This is the rapture of the church. Then we will be with the Lord how long? Forever. So what do we do? He comes, he receives us, we go to heaven with him, we spend seven years there. We'll talk about it another time, but seven years. And it's interesting, because I didn't realize this, because it says when the groom goes back to his house and tells his father, I'm engaged to so-and-so, they begin to build a honeymoon suite, not a permanent residence, A honeymoon suite. Why? Because we're only going to be there seven years. We don't need right now. Those mansions that are talked about is when everything gets wrapped up at the end and we all go into eternity. Are you listening to me? Jesus was telling them right there at the Last Supper, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to come back for you. And where I am, there you will be also. So now watch this. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. So encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other. Not frighten each other to death. Encourage each other. Amen. And this brings comfort. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the taking away of the church was referred to in the early church as the hope of the church. The blessed hope of the church. Well, I don't know, Pastor. Nothing like this has ever happened before. That's the same thing that people said when Noah was building the ark. He said to them, you got to get in here because it's going to rain. They said, what's rain? They said, what do you mean rain? Yeah, flood's coming. What do you mean a flood? Yeah, it's going to rain. What do you mean rain? Water's going to come from the sky. And they went, this guy's crazy. Why? Because up until that point, water never came from the sky. The book of Genesis tells us that God created fountains from the deep that would come up and water the ground. It had never rained before. So when when he said to them, it's going to rain, water's going to come from the sky, it's going to flood the whole earth, they went, yeah, right. Just like we say, Jesus is coming, he's going to appear in the air, and we're all going to get taken away. Yeah, right. right. The fact of the matter is, there are many raptures recorded in the scripture. Many taken away. Many people taken away. You got this? Yes. All right, good. Let's go here. Genesis chapter five, verse 24 says, and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. The Bible says that Enoch walked by faith. He was a spokesman for God to the people of his time, which is a symbol of the church. And Enoch departed the earth before the flood came he was and was taken away hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 says this it was by faith that enoch was taken up to heaven the rapture without dying he disappeared because god took him for before he was taken up he was known as a person who pleased god enoch was taken off the earth alive second kings chapter 2 when the Lord was about to take Elijah, the prophet, up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling to a place called Gilgal and listened to the conversation that they had. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away, raptured. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I'm taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. Verse 11, as they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. And they disappeared from sight. And Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Elijah was taken off the earth alive. Jesus ascended into heaven in his resurrected body. It was not a spirit that appeared to the disciples, but physically. He had flesh and he had bone. Amen? Say, well, what about blood? No, his blood he left in heaven. His blood he spilled on the cross. Acts chapter one, verse one. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. It was not a spirit. He said to them, Feel my, feel, touch my hands, touch my, touch my, put your hand on my side. He said, for a spirit does not have a body. Amen? Amen? Verse 6. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? In other words, they're saying, hey, is this the point where you're going to throw out the Romans and give us our country back? And he said, it's not for you, it's for the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times they were not for you to know. Verse 8. But you shall receive power. Here's the church age. Here's the church coming on the scene. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. That's the second coming. Well, what's the next thing on the calendar? The rapture. And who's qualified to go into the rapture? 1 Thessalonians said it. If you believe that Jesus died and rose again from the dead, Romans chapter 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, Jesus Christ is Lord, and that God's raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Amen. Now next week we're going to talk about the time frame. Next week we're going to go talk the timetable. Because there's a lot of controversy amongst Christians. Okay. Well, is the church going to go through the tribulation? What is the tribulation? The tribulation is when the church is taken off the, off the planet. All hell breaks loose on the earth. You think it's crazy now? This is nothing compared to what will happen in the future. Natural calamities, supernatural calamities, diseases, plagues like we've never seen before. One third of the population of the world will perish in one event. It talks about comets, asteroids, smashing into the earth. look, I didn't teach this message to be super spectacular or to bring fear to people because this is the blessed hope. Now, watch, I'll just give you this one hint. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that we have been saved through Jesus Christ from the wrath to come. I do not believe that the church will go through the wrath of God coming upon the earth. Because we've already, he took all your sin, all my sin, all your punishment, my punishment, and put it on Jesus. For us to be punished again means that Jesus got a raw deal. You listening? We'll talk about it next week. But listen to me. As I said before, everything that Jesus said had to come to pass before he could return has come to pass. Everything he said before the rapture would take place has come to pass. And it's not like it happened yesterday. 1948 was 74 years ago. 1967 was what? 50 something years ago? 55 years ago? This, we're in it now. We're in it. We're not looking, well, someday this is gonna, no, no, we're in it, we're in it. The rest of it's gonna play out, but we're already in the last of the last days. Are you listening to me? So what is this all about, Pastor? You and I cannot afford to play games anymore. You and I have got to be about the business of getting as many people in the ark as possible. The rapture can take place at any time. Truthfully, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. But it's God's mercy giving more people the opportunity to get in before this horrible time period that has never been, it's, it'll, make, it'll make the Holocaust look like a, a, a birthday party. It's just, it will be so horrific. Nobody is going to want to be here during that time. There will be people that will be saved during that time. But many of them will perish either from these calamities that happen, or they will be martyred for their faith. Say, I, I never heard these kind of things. I didn't either until I got born again. And I consider myself a real good Catholic kid. I never heard about the rapture. I never heard that Jesus was coming back. I never heard about any of this stuff. I never heard about Israel becoming. I never heard any of these things, okay? Uh, And I'm not picking on the Catholic Church and saying, I never heard these things. Maybe you did, I don't know. Uh, I don't know many Protestant churches that have taught this stuff over the years. But the fact of the matter is the Bible is extremely clear. Now listen to me. Jesus gave precise, specific details, especially about the city of Jerusalem. When the disciples said to him, How are we gonna know all these signs and everything else? is when he began to detail all these things. Okay, but before that, the whole conversation started, and you go read this in Matthew chapter 24. The apostles bring Jesus, they're all in Jerusalem. And they want to show off the temple. And they say to him, look at these beautiful buildings. Look at." It. And Jesus is probably sitting on the Mount of Olives when this happened, which you could see from the Mount of Olives. You see the entire city of Jerusalem and you see the entire temp- temple complex. And it was known as one of the wonders of the ancient world. This temple was beautiful. And Jesus said to them, you think this is great? Because you got to understand something. The Jews at that time thought, as long as we have the temple, we're God's people. Doesn't matter if we have a relationship with him or not. We have the temple. And Jesus said to them, the day's gonna come. And he said to them, you're gonna see it where not one stone is left upon another. Go read it, Matthew chapter 24, first few verses. Let me tell you something. That came to pass 100% fulfilled every detail because when the Romans came in 70 AD, The first place they went was the temple. Why? Because the temple was not only a place of worship. The temple was the Fort Knox of ancient Israel. All of the wealth, all of the gold, all the precious metals were stored there. And when the Romans set fire to that temple, all of the gold, all the silver, all the precious metal melted and went into the foundation cracks, went into the joints of the foundation and the romans came back with hundreds and hundreds of slaves and pried every stone apart so they could get the gold out of there and literally 100 percent fulfilled jesus's words not one stone will be left upon another you can visit those stones today because they all ended up in the valley behind the area where the temple was built massive massive multiple tons each of these blocks that were pried apart so the Romans could get the metal, the gold and the silver that melted in there. If that scripture was fulfilled in that much detail, what makes us think every other scripture is not going to be fulfilled in that much detail? The day is going to come and the Bible says, and when he comes, every eye will see him. Well, that couldn't have happened before the technology that we have today. Now, something happens on the other side of the world. And within 30 seconds, it's flashed all over the world. When he returns, when he comes and appears in the sky, when he comes for the second coming, when he comes and puts his feet on the Mount of Olives, the prophet Zechariah said when he comes and puts his feet on the Mount of Olives, it's going to split in two. You know there's a major earthquake fault that runs right through the Mount of Olives? He said when he comes, it will split that mountain in half and will be one of the most powerful earthquakes the world has ever seen. He's coming he's coming you got problems in your life right now he's coming you got sickness going he's coming you're suffering from depression he's coming turn to somebody say he's coming the, 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 the title of the message is ready or not here i come we need to be ready now listen to me we got we got to leave Thank you for being so attentive. You've allowed me to finish all I needed to for part one. Next week, we'll talk about some more stuff. Okay, listen to me. It is not time to fool around with your salvation. It is not time for you to fool around with your eternal destination. The decision of whether you spend your eternity in heaven or hell is made here on earth while you're still breathing. You have to make that choice as an act of your own free will. God's not going to come and hold you by the throat and put you up against the wall. The devil does that kind of stuff. God doesn't do that. God presents truth to us, and he gives us the opportunity to make a choice. Now listen to me. What I have taught you today is factual. I'm not taught any opinion. It's factual from the scriptures. Those of you who may be here this morning and never have prayed that simple prayer, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Listen to me, I beg you. You need to make that decision now. Amen. Because with everything else that's going on in the world right now, and we could sit here for days and go through. And honestly, I think it's the funniest thing in the world because you can watch news with your Bible in your hand and go, yeah, that's that. That's that. This is happening in the world. Oh, yeah, he said it right over here. Oh, the turmoil in the Middle East. Yeah, Ezekiel talked about it right here. Oh, Russia and and Iran, which is Persia. Russia, Persia uh, are becoming partners again. Yeah, and and watch, keep your eye on Turkey. Keep your eye on Turkey because Turkey's going to rise to the forefront now, okay? Because the Bible talks about there would be an alliance with them against Israel. Russia has been telling Israel, if you keep firing missiles into Syria, there's gonna be a consequence. You could sit there, watch the news, and go, yeah, that's that one right there. That's where we're living right now. Never before in the history of mankind have we been living, has mankind lived in a time like this. Are you listening to me? Do not, please, I beg you, do not fool around with your eternal destination. If you've never prayed that prayer, and ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your Lord and your Savior. Please, please, take that opportunity. Would you stand up, please? We'll be out of here in just a couple of minutes. This is life and death. Do not fool around with your eternal destiny. Because once your breath leaves your body, once your spirit leaves your body, Your eternity is sealed one way or the other. And Jesus came and died for us so that we can make that choice to put our faith in him. That he would be the sacrifice that covers our sins and removes our sins and cleanses us. When you put your faith in him, you're saved. That's why the term is used. Saved. Saved from what? From the hell that's going to come on this earth in the future. And saved from an eternity Spent in hell, separated from God. I don't know how else to do this, because it's that important. If you have never said that prayer before, and you do, you you want to get you want to make it right with God, you want to know that when I go to bed tonight, I don't worry about if I'm not going to wake up tomorrow morning. I want to I want to have peace. I want to have security. I want to have stability. Right now, right now. If that's you, raise one hand up to God. Say that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You wanna pray that prayer, raise your hand up right now. Thank you. Who else, who else, who else? Please don't fool, don't let your, oh my God, don't let your pride stop you from spending eternity with God, because that's all it is, is pride. Anybody else, raise your hand up before we pray. Let me give you a hint, if your heart's beating out of your chest, it's probably you. If your hands are all clammy, thank you. It's probably you. Anybody else? Hey, look, I don't get a commission on how many people come in. I just want you to spend it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this because I know there's others in this room that need to acknowledge that. Please, please do not let your pride send you to hell. Okay. Let's pray this prayer together for everybody who raised their hand. And listen, God is merciful. If you didn't raise your hand, pray this prayer you'll get in, your passport will get stamped, amen. Let's pray this prayer together. Father, Father, with all my heart, heart, I believe believe that Jesus Christ Christ is the Son of God. God. I believe believe He came to this earth, earth, died on the cross cross as payment for my sins. I I believe you raised Him from the dead. I believe believe He's alive today and He hears me praying. So Jesus, so Jesus, come into my heart, in heart. come into my life, in be my Lord, be my, Lord. Be, my be my Savior. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for, dying in my place. Thank you for washing me Thank you for washing and cleansing me, and me from all of my sin. Thank you for making me a child of God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus name. amen. Amen. Praise God. Now listen, very quickly, those of you that prayed that prayer for the first time, please, please, I'm begging you. When everybody else is dismissed and leaving here, come up front. I want to put a Bible in your hand. I want to put some other material. This is the beginning of your journey. This isn't the end of it. This is the beginning of your journey. And this is the greatest adventure you're ever going to go on from this point forward. Amen? Amen. If you need prayer for anything else that maybe we didn't cover today, please come up, receive prayer. God bless the rest of you. Go enjoy the rest of the weekend.